1: Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. And you've probably heard of the Supreme Court case of the Colorado website artist Lori Smith, who is fighting for the right not to create wedding websites for same-sex couples because of her deeply held religious beliefs that marriage is between one woman and one man. On December 5th, attorneys uh, gave oral arguments before the justices. Uh, the decision will be handed down in, in June sometime. But that has an end of the vitriol and the debate over how far religious freedom should and can go. The news is full of these cases and Conflicts, most of which have, have not reached the high court, and many won't, actually. There's, well, for example, Yeshiva University in New York that just lost their case at a, a state appellate court ruled that it must recognize an LGBTQ student club, even though Yeshiva is a private Orthodox Jewish school, school saying that it violated its First Amendment rights of religious freedom. Um, Then there's, you know, the Respect for Marriage Act Bill in Congress. Uh, There are many religious organizations, churches, and individuals who are fearful of the implications that it does not make any accommodations for religious objections to same-sex marriage. The list goes on, and the person who has some of the best expertise on the case of Lori Smith, of course, and how religious freedoms are being more and more marginalized is attorney Kristen Wagoner. She is the CEO and general counsel of Alliance Defending Freedom, a faith-based legal organization, and she just argued in front of the Supreme Court uh, justices on behalf of Lori Smith. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So for those who are not familiar with the case Uh, Explain the case, uh, the parameters of it.
0: Well, Lori Smith is a graphic design and website design artist. She's in Colorado. She's a native Coloradoan. She worked in the corporate world and the government world for a number of years and then went into her own, creating her own design studio so that she would be able to design and create expression that's consistent with her passions and her faith. Uh, She began that in 2012. Uh, Once she got on her feet, she'd always wanted to be able to design in the wedding industry to create custom websites celebrating marriage between a man and a woman to promote that idea, which is consistent with her faith. But uh, Colorado has a law that it's trying to use to silence artists like her and to essentially say, you either cannot speak about your faith view of marriage or if you do, you must also celebrate same-sex weddings and create custom speech for those weddings as well.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, um, why did it reach the Supreme Court? Um, had you know, wh- What's the process by which it, it finally got to the, the highest court?
0: The case began in 2016, and um, you may be familiar with the Masterpiece Cake Shop case that also mm-hmm. went to the mm-hmm. Supreme Court. That was out of Colorado as well. Um, So both Jack Phillips, who was the cake artist, and Lori Smith are in Colorado, and Lori's case was filed actually before the court agreed to hear Jack's case. And so those two cases have been ongoing for a number of years. When the Supreme Court heard Jack's case in Masterpiece Cake Shop, it found that Colorado's hostility to Jack in the process was so obvious and so unconstitutional that it didn't even need to reach the free speech issues in Jack's case. It just ruled on behalf of him on the basis of the free exercise of religion. What that meant was the free speech issue wasn't answered. It wasn't addressed. Mm. And so as a result, there have been many artists that have been caught in the crosshairs um, since then, who are facing some even jail time for declining to create messages that are inconsistent with their faith. And Lori's one of those that is facing severe penalties. And so finally the court agreed to hear this issue specifically on free speech and how it aligns with our faith, whether we can be compelled to speak a message that violates our core religious convictions. Because It's been of, about
1: a 10 year process. Yeah, because a lot of people, and me included for a while, um, understood, thought that this whole issue was settled with Jack Phillips. But basically it's because of the animosity of the Colorado officials that the pretty much the case was decided on that alone. Right.
0: Right. I mean, they literally in, you know, hearings that they held in meetings that they held, compared Jack's beliefs to uh, perpetrators of the Holocaust and slave owners. Wow. And the court said, you know, it was Justice Kennedy, it was his his last term on the court and he wrote the decision and he said, you know, that type of a process is just so blatantly violates the constitution that it can't possibly be valid. But it again the court didn't even pick up the free speech issue other than to say there certainly will be instances where speech is protected and we will wait to hear those cases. And as a result, a number of artists who serve everyone, including those who identify as LGBT, have are just unable to create certain messages. And it's about what the message is, not who the person is that's mm-hmm. requesting.
1: What is up with the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission? What are are they worse than any other? Are they I shouldn't say worse. Are they a little bit more <laughs> vehement um, and? Uh, than any other kind of civil rights or human rights commission in the country? Or is there something particular about Colorado that's that's working in um, in, in here?
0: That's tough to say, because I, I haven't, you know, at ADF, we are the largest legal organization that's working in these areas and these issues. So we have a lot of familiarity with human rights commissions throughout the states mm-hmm. um, and frankly, throughout the world. Um, and I haven't come across one that I think is truly about protecting rights for everyone. Um, They all tend to skew decidedly, progressively left and to Mm -hmm. weaponize the law to silence and punish those who don't hold views that those commissions share. On the other hand, though, Colorado has, unlike any other state, aggressively and relentlessly pursued people who share Views, you know, that Lori Smith has, and we can see that through the example of how they've treated Jack Phillips. It, Twenty-four days after we won Jack's case at the United States Supreme Court, Colorado came after Jack a second time, and Jack is still in litigation today. Wow! As a result of their efforts, so it has been
1: relentless. You know, I looked up the uh, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and uh, there's seven members and at least the the site that I saw now I think they're changing over, but at least um, they're right now seven members um, there are three Democrats, four they who say they are politically unaffili- unaffiliated. Um, and no Republicans. So what they're and they have a they have rules about who can be on the commission. They have to have, you know, they've got to be some you know, a business person or a person who represents people who would be marginalized. Um, as, as far as I can tell on there, there are really no religious people, there are no conservatives on the Colorado Commission. Why, is it possible that somebody could raise an issue with them and say, you are not representing the community? You know, you, you know Could someone actually file a suit against them in particular? Jack's
0: case was against the individual members of the commission. Their you know, legal technicalities require that. There are certain reasons. And so they can raise suits against individual commissioners when constitutional rights are violated. Mm-hmm. But the rules for how commissions are appointed vary state by state. And a lot of it has to do, again, with who we elect in the office, in the executive office um, as governor. And I think we would be remiss to simply tag the commission with the hostility that Colorado has, because in Lori's case, for example, it has been exclusively the attorney general um, and, you know, and the state officials uh, along with the commission that are just doggedly pursuing this and trying to crush the conscience of anyone who lives in the state and happens to disagree with this, uh, the belief that, you know, marriage is essentially open to all kinds of views and that you're not able to articulate your view, you know, if you have a, a view that's mm-hmm. based in faith.
1: Well, you know, this was, I mean and this, I'm going to get to that in a second, but this was also a preemptive case, right? I mean, 303 Creative, which is Lori Smith's um, web uh, company, she's, it's, she's never actually turned down an actual same-sex couple, right?
0: Well, there's some nuances to that as well. She has had requests uh, for same-sex wedding websites. And Mm -hmm. the the irony in it is that, um, you know, she had a front row seat to watching Jack Phillips get persecuted, Mm -hmm. really. I Mm -hmm. mean, it it took him two years to just get through the administrative process and six years to get to the Supreme Court. He's on his 10th year of litigation. So... um, Our justice system allows people to challenge laws that are unjust without having to risk the criminal and civil penalties of violating those laws. And that's what Lori did here. Um, That's something that's a hallmark of civil rights litigation and certainly in the civil rights era uh, as well. But she has had requests for same-sex wedding websites. Mm -hmm. But she's not doing wedding websites at all at this point, right? Right, because she can't. Um, Colorado, for the last, I mean, this case has gone on since 2016. Colorado has openly said in its briefs into the court, she, quote, is using religion to perpetuate, you know, uh, essentially illegal activity. And they've told her, if you engage in creating websites that is consistent with your view on marriage, then you must also share and create custom speech celebrating a different view or you're breaking the law.
1: Um. From what the justices asked you during the um arguments, how do you think they're leaning
0: i've I've learned enough by now that uh it's not good to speculate mm. uh, you know so many times you'll think one thing at oral argument and and you'll get a very different decision so but I will say that I am optimistic I'm very hopeful based on the oral argument. I think that the justices clearly understood the implications. The court has always protected speech. This is custom speech, meaning it's not something that is, you know, like a t-shirt that you print on the and you put it on the shelf and someone just comes in to buy it. This tells the couple's individual story. It celebrates the individual wedding. It has text. It has graphics, videos, pictures, um, all things that Lori is imagining and creating with her heart, her head and her hand. And I think the court, many of the justices understood that. And so I'm hopeful about the outcome, not just for Lori, but for all artists, even Mm -hmm. those who don't share her view on this issue.
1: If you could if you could kind of, you know, recall like a key question or a couple of key questions from the justices, what would it be?
0: you know, my heart left a beat, I would say, when Justice Gorsuch said, for example, it's the what, not the who. Um, Mm. And that has been what we have been saying on behalf of these artists and including Lori, for a decade now. Um, One of the unique aspects of Lori's case is that the facts are stipulated to. That means that the Colorado agreed to the facts. There's no dispute about the facts of this case. And one of those key critical facts is that Lori serves everyone. She has LGBT clients. She loves to serve all of her clients. But it is what the message is that they're requesting, not who the person is, you know, when she decides what to what speech to create. And so when Justice Gorsuch said that, I thought, yes, they're getting it. And a number of other justices echoed it as well. When you're using words, this is speech. And the court has never, in our history compelled ideological or religious speech ever under the first amendment including protecting some really vile and violent speech in the past
1: yeah i mean you know the bottom line in these arguments in in, uh, against or against um the uh uh, people like lori is that people don't want them um they don't want them to think there's something wrong with same-sex marriage you know this is kind of the cult the crux of the, the sort of cultural civil war that we're living in um can the First Amendment protect that to say, can it? I mean, I think that's what the issue is. And, you know, when I hear people say that, you know, you are kind of this evil person because you won't, um, you're a hate monger because you don't agree with same-sex marriage or homosexuality or, um, you know, transgenders, you're a hate monger. Um, Mm -hmm. Can the First Amendment protect people who simply don't agree? The First Amendment
0: has to protect people. We won't have a stable nation or a free country if it does not. And that is the message that Americans need to hear. This is not just about someone who shares Lori's belief. These laws can compel Democrats to have to write press releases for Republicans, Muslims to have to promote Scientology or Catholicism. They they have to apply across the board. And the whole point of free speech is one, it inflicts a harm that is demeaning and forces us as individuals to betray our conscience when we have to say things that we don't believe. And two, it undermines free and stable government. Um, It allows so much authority to go to the government. It's one thing for the market to respond. The answer is more speech if you disagree with something you hear. Mm -hmm. It's not to penalize and jail people using the power of government to silence them. Because at some point, that same government can silence any one of us and, and and crush the conscience of any one of us. This leads to authoritarianism. And it is what has historically made our nation different, yeah. that we protect speech we don't like.
1: Um, let, we're going to take a break right now on uh, Lighthouse Faith Podcast, talking with Christian Wagner, who is um, an attorney, uh, the CEO
2: of, of Alliance Defending Freedom. We will be right back. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Okay,
1: we're right back with Kristen Wagner here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking about the case that's before the Supreme Court right now, the case of uh, 303 Creative, which is uh, Lori Smith's case. She is a, um, a graphic artist who has a, an, a who creates websites, but she has filed this case because she wants to create wedding websites but because of her deeply held religious beliefs she cannot do it for same-sex couples and this is this is has been a problem with Colorado's uh, civil rights commission they have vehemently gone after artists like her and Jack Phillips the cake baker but you know christian one of the things that it, it just just reading over some of these stories um and I mentioned Yeshiva University um in the introduction and it I was very surprised that the appellate court in in New York uh, cited against Yeshiva. I mean, it's an orthodox Jewish university, and we're not talking about, you know, reform or anything like that. And they basically said you have to have, have to recognize an LGBTQ student um, um, pride um, club. Um, What does that say about what's going on in the world today, about if you can't, if that rises to the the level of taking it to court
0: well it's deeply disturbing Um, again i think we see a trend of growing hostility toward people of faith who don't agree that you know sex is changeable that biology you know those who are suggesting biology doesn't matter um, we are caught in the crosshairs and in that process though i think it underscores the importance of playing the long game this isn't just about us. It's not about whether we can be culturally popular in the moment. It is about future generations as well. And so when you look at cases like Lori's, for example, um, you know, this issue has been ongoing for more than 10 years. And there are instances where the court doesn't take a case and victims are created, but it's not the right time. And I certainly am not trying to excuse that because you know some of our clients have fallen victim to this along the way we think of baronel stutzman and Orleans flowers um mm-hmm. elaine's biography they've lost their businesses their livelihood because they didn't the court didn't hear their case at the same time though in yeshiva for example um i don't know that in that instance that case won't or a similar issue won't come back to the court sometimes it's a matter of timing And there needs to be enough cases to demonstrate that there's a problem for the court to grant cert. So I tend to not read too much into a denial of cert when the case is still ongoing and potentially come back. But like you're saying, the hostility and the level of that hostility is only escalating, which means we need to be people of courage.
1: Uh, one of the things that um, – and I can't remember where it came from, but I've got it written down here. Is it just talked about how the president of the United States now says that half or more of the country country citizens who believe in the sanctity of life and marriage and the rights of parents, the realities of biology, and the constitution's guarantees of free speech and religious liberty are a threat to democracy. Like the, We've got this at the highest level, that people who believe – in certain things about marriage, about gender, um, about um, the sanctity of life. And here is a Catholic president. He's actually saying those people are a threat to democracy. What does that tell you?
0: It tells me that there is a threat to democracy, but it's not based on you know, those beliefs. It is based on a desire to crush those with whom we disagree. That is the threat to democracy. The answer is to engage, to go into the public square, to pursue the free and fearless reasoning, to pursue truth. And free speech allows us to do that. And when you're trying to silence and censor those with whom you disagree, that's marked by fear. And that's government totalitarianism and something we should all worry about. Something, we have an entire international team and they work around the world. And and the Mm -hmm. leader of that said to me, Uh, about a month ago, he said, you know, what's, what's so telling about this is you can look around the world at their constitutions. Many nations have constitutions and written guarantees in their documents like the First Amendment. They have those. But government officials and judges have basically gutted those provisions so that the United States is the last nation in the Western world that protects speech. And we have to we have to press forward with that and insist on it, even when we're called a threat to democracy. It's wrong. And the real threat is taking away the constitutional rights of others and not recognizing that cultural winds shift. And President Biden better be
1: aware of that, too, in this era. You know, um, the civil rights laws in this country were created to make sure that people who are in the margins of this country are protected. And um, it, it, it means that, you know, racism and, and things, you know, housing laws and all of those kinds of things that many people of color, and I am a people person of color, um, have benefited from. Um, but the civil rights law seems to have taken a very far left turn. And I'm wondering if you see the civil rights law becoming a tool of sort of leftist fascism in this country oh it's the primary tool uh, i
0: mean it is it is the tool that they are using not just at, at the federal level um you know they're they're imposing laws regulations and policies that essentially enshrine sexual orientation and gender identity as a protected class they're suggesting that that's akin to race and then they are silencing and punishing anyone who seeks to express a view that human sexuality matters in terms of uh, a belief that you know there's male and female, or that believes that marriage should be between a man and a woman. So they're misusing laws that were put in place with initially a noble purpose in the civil rights era and twisting them to essentially be unrecognizable.
1: There are many things. Uh, 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 I mean, there are a lot of objections, and they uh, to the case of Lori Smith and her believes that marriage is between a man and a woman, and because she creates things, um, and that she shouldn't be compelled to, you know, give messages that violate her her religious beliefs. But one um, person said, you know, um, it says, "What about a conservative Christian restaurateur who claims that their food is an expression of their most sincere religious values and therefore must not be served to gay customers?" I, I think it's ridiculous, but. You're the your attorney. How would you actually come back against that?
0: Well, I appreciate you asking that because it is just an attempt to avoid what the issues are in this case. Um, that's illegal and it will be illegal no matter how the Supreme Court rules in this case. Um, there's again, it's about what the message is, not who the person is. We're talking about custom creation of speech, not denying service. And the the hypothetical that you mentioned is about denying service. It's illegal to do that. And it will always be illegal to do that.
1: You know, um, and also Justice Elena Kagan, um, she she said during oral arguments in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, He says, if cake bakers qualify as artists who can defy civil rights laws, then what about jewelers and hairstylists or makeup artists? Um, Again, what would your answer be to that?
0: Generally, in nearly all of those cases, there wouldn't even be a speech claim. So, um, you know, when you walk into a grocery store and you're buying a cake, that's not speech. That's not protected under the First Amendment. And certainly... Um, you can't deny someone access to goods and services because of who they are. It's about whether you're being forced to create a message that violates their conviction. So it's very different, for example, if you're Jack Phillips and you're being asked to create a one-of-a-kind custom cake that celebrates a wedding. And you know he sketches, sculpts, hand paints cakes. He'll do hiking scenarios, different things that highlight the couple's personalities. But designing a custom wedding cake is very different than you know simply being a cake baker, and and there's no speech involved in that. And the same thing is true for all those other examples. And Justice Kavanaugh at the Supreme Court in the oral argument recognized that as well. Um, none, hardly any of those scenarios would ever involve creating custom speech that has an objectionable message in it. And and that's a critical component too, is, is the objection to the message or the person.
1: If it's to the person, it's illegal, and it will continue to be illegal. You know, one of the things I also mentioned was the, um, um, the Respect for Marriage Act, um, and a lot of objections from the churches and religious people and organizations uh, that there is no accommodation in this. Uh, for people and organizations that do not believe uh, marriages between um, same-sex couples, but only between a man and a woman. Um, what's ha- what's going to happen with that, do you think, um, as people, I I would imagine people would challenge this at some point?
0: Well, first I would say I think it is absolutely horrifying that as many Republican members in the Senate, crossed over on that, and it demonstrates where we are as people of faith who hold your traditional views on on human sexuality. That we can't even get rely on a, the Republican Party to, you know, understand the importance of marriage and the implications of this bill to people of faith. Um, there was so much misinformation and, frankly, deception that went out about what the bill did. It. That bill does nothing to change the status of or the benefits afforded to same-sex marriage following the court's same-sex marriage decision. But what it does do is it endangers people of faith. It threatens individuals, businesses, and nonprofit organizations for merely trying to practice their own faith. And I think we will see the the bill used as a cudgel against those who simply are trying to speak and live consistent with what their faith teaches them on these issues.
1: So bottom line, um, Kristen, what is at stake here in Lori's case? Um, we haven't well, we won't get a, a ruling until June, but what, what really is at stake?
0: What's at stake is whether Americans will remain free to express ideas, even if the government disagrees with those ideas. And what is also at stake is whether the Constitution will continue to protect against government coercion. This isn't just about Lori. It is about those who disagree with her views and also don't want to have to say things, create speech, um, and express values that violate their core convictions as well. Wow!
1: Um, and I, I, always already asked you about your predictions, and you know, I, I, I know you don't want to jinx it at all. But what's on, <laughs> what's in the pipeline for other cases that are coming? Um, it may come to the Supreme Court concerning religious liberty.
0: There are a number of cases that are are going to be coming up. I think you're going to have the court will soon have to grapple with this issue of gender identity and whether, you know, Christian institutions have to essentially have men in the women's dorm rooms, um whether men are going to be competing on women's sports teams. Um we have as I said a, a number of cases involving both photographers and adoption agencies who face the loss of their licenses, their ability to serve the public um, and to do the good work that they've been called to do um, simply because they want to be able to speak consistent with their faith.
1: Wow. And what can people do? I mean, what? I mean, you feel if people are listening to this and they just feel like, you know, I, you know, I'm. I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do um, in order to fight against these things um, because a lot of people are silent because they don't want to be a part of a lawsuit. Um, they don't want to be sued. Um, they want to keep their businesses. Um, they don't want to be canceled at their you know schools or their you know their jobs. What are, what people? What can people do?
0: There's a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge uh, James Ho that said silence is contagious, but so is courage, and. If we allow ourselves to be canceled, we are playing a role in co- and we are complicit in the loss of freedoms for the next generation. We cannot be complicit and we need to be able to speak freely, meaning we talk to our neighbors, about the importance of these issues we vote we talk to our we hold people accountable we engage at the school board level we say enough is enough we insist on operating our businesses consistent with our faith no not everyone can sue nor should they sue but we also need to support those who do have to sue who are caught in the crosshairs so that they don't feel alone either there, we can give to organizations who are fighting this fight. We can write letters to our editor. There is no limit to the things that we can do to stand and advocate for the principles that this nation is founded on and that drives our faith and our right and
1: enjoyment of loving our neighbor. That is loving our neighbor. Silence is not. Ah, Kristen Wagner, thank you so much. Kristen Wagner, she is a CEO and General Counsel of Alliance Defending Freedom, the faith-based legal organizations defending religious freedom in this country and around the world. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you for having me. That's great. And thank you also for listening. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.